0: Welcome to Understand Murdoch, a podcast from The Post and Courier, South Carolina's largest newspaper. Our award-winning reporters have spent more than a year digging into the Murdoch saga to bring you the latest news and in-depth analysis as we cover this story of drugs, deceit, and death in South Carolina's low country. I'm Avery Wilkes, a reporter on the newspaper's watchdog and public service team. And I'm here today with Jennifer Barry who is a colleague of mine on uh, on that special projects team at the Posted Courier. Hey, Jen.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you.
0: So we are here today because you wrote a profile of the judge handling this case, and that is uh, veteran Judge Clifton Newman. Uh, we've been doing these kinds of profiles of the key players in this Murdoch saga as part of our, our pre-trial coverage as we try to get ourselves ready and, uh, and also prepare our readers to watch this trial and to better be able to understand some some of the people who they're going to be watching over the, the course of this three or, or four week trial in in Walterboro. So we've taken deeper looks at uh, Creighton Waters, um, you know, who is the state prosecutor who is going to be uh, leading this case. Obviously, we're we're here today to talk about your coverage of Judge Newman, and and we're also going to have a a profile coming soon on the defense attorneys, Dick Harpootlian and Jim Griffin, who are going to play a key role at the trial. So for starters, how did you go about writing and reporting this story on Judge Newman? It's not often in South Carolina that a reporter gets to talk to a circuit judge in depth, on the record, or at all. Uh, Judges tend to shy away from contact with journalists which can make these kind of profiles especially challenging. So so how did you go about doing it?
1: Sure, well, I began watching Judge Newman uh, more closely during the Michael Slager trial several years ago here in Charleston. Um, maybe we can talk more about that case in a minute. Um, but briefly, it was the trial of a white police officer who shot and killed an unarmed black man. And I wondered what it was like for this black judge to preside over this very racially charged proceeding. Uh, I also realized at some point that Judge Newman's daughter uh, is also a circuit judge. So when the elder Judge Newman was assigned to handle the, you know ever expanding web of Alex Murdoch criminal matters, and with all these eyes focused on South Carolina's biggest criminal trial in recent memory, perhaps ever. So in particular, I wondered um, that given Judge Newman is around seventy, he's old enough to have experienced segregation in South Carolina. And now he's presiding. Over this huge, obsessively watched murder trial involving Murdoch and other lawyers in his orbit, orbit who are all these elite white attorneys from generations of power. So, quite an interesting contrast.
0: And so, going into it, you know that you want this to be a really in-depth profile, uh, and, and and that your your subject is someone who's well known, um, and 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 also someone who is not probably not going to speak to you. You turned out to be wrong about that uh, for this story. So. How do you get started on a profile like that when you think you're, you're going to have to work around the fact that the, the main character isn't sitting down for an interview?
1: Sure. I usually just start doing some basic research, you know, reading news coverage, looking for any lawsuits or ethics issues surrounding the person that might raise red flags off the bat. Um, and then I just start calling people who know him or her. Uh, in this case, I started calling lawyers that I've worked with on other stories, hoping they would put in a good word. me with Judge Newman um, on the off chance that he might agree to an interview. Uh, Realistically, like you said, judges don't often talk to reporters on the record or almost never. Um, But, you know, I figured I could maybe gain some trust with him before I reached out. So then I just emailed him and I crossed my fingers and not long afterward, he just called me. Uh, There wasn't any fanfare. Uh, He didn't send a secretary. We didn't make an appointment. Um, It was clear he was just comfortable talking and he was confident in what he could and could not discuss. Uh, Lucky for me and our readers, because as it turned out, he has a really fascinating story to share uh, that goes really far beyond the cases against Alex Murdoch or Michael Slager.
0: And you talked with him for about an hour and a half. Uh, which is, again, we can't stress this enough, very rare for a reporter to be able to talk to a sitting judge. So what was he like and, and what about him surprised you?
1: So before I spoke to him, I while I was researching his background, I came across this YouTube video from uh, the South Carolina Bars Diversity Committee. It was a panel discussion held on Zoom during COVID. And it featured this panel of three black judges, including Judge Newman, and also South Carolina Supreme Court Chief Justice Donald Beatty. And while I was watching it became clear that Judge Newman um, is a role model to many black attorneys and judges. Uh, It also became clear that he doesn't uh, talk to hear himself talk. His demeanor on the bench uh, is really subdued, almost quiet, very thoughtful, uh, not a judge who grandstands. And it appeared from the Zoom call that these traits went far beyond the courtroom And sure enough, when I spoke to him, he was just remarkably open and generous with his time. Uh, It became clear he uh, knows that his personal story can inspire more Black lawyers and judges and that that's something that's really important to him.
0: Over the course of writing a profile like this, you hear and you ask for a lot of stories about a person. Uh, You know, we're always looking to tie these stories together because stories, you know, anecdotes like that can show and really illustrate you know the traits and what drive a person. So, uh, when you were working on this, what stories stuck out to you that you heard about him in particular?
1: You know, I really in particular liked hearing his childhood stories. Um, he he grew up in rural Williamsburg County. He was the first in his family to be born in a hospital, uh, and his mother had to leave uh, leave him and. Uh, the rest of their family, to move to New York to find uh, decent domestic work to help support them. Um, and on the other hand, his paternal uncle is uh, the Reverend Isaiah De Quincey Newman, who's a very prominent civil rights activist. Uh, he famously witnessed uh, the KKK burn a Black prisoner alive in a wooden rail car. Um And Judge Newman and his siblings lived in a school district that did not desegregate until 1970, like most school districts in South Carolina. Um, But he graduated uh, as his class valedictorian, by the way, the year before that. Uh, Afterward, he headed to Cleveland for college, having never attended school with a white person, um, with a white student. So his time there wasn't easy, and he described how people mocked his country accent um, but he he worked hard. He wound up going to law school. He met his wife, opened a practice and started a family there. Um, but it was interesting that he did not uh, want his children bused across town to enforce integration. So he and his wife returned to South Carolina to raise their children, uh, obviously also wanting to be near their family. Um, And he worked as an attorney here, became a part-time solicitor, uh, opened a practice, got involved with bar activities, and basically grew his um, practice and and his profile uh, over the years.
0: And when did he become a judge? When was he elected to the bench? Uh,
1: He was elected by the General Assembly in 2000. Um, That was 18 years after the first Black Circuit judge in the state. Uh, And there still aren't many Black judges, only about eight across South Carolina, And among them, interestingly, is one of his children, as I mentioned, uh, Circuit Judge Jocelyn Newman. Uh, As an aside, while we're mentioning his family, I want to note that all of us here at the Post and Courier offer our condolences to the entire Newman family because Judge Newman's son and Judge Jocelyn Newman's brother died suddenly from a cardiac event recently. He was only 40 years old and had been the youngest person to serve on the Columbia City Council. So just a real, real tragedy.
0: Absolutely. Our, our hearts go out to the Newman family as they go through this. And a note to listeners, by all accounts, Judge Newman plans to continue his duties presiding over the Murdoch trial, um, despite this incredibly sad loss he's experiencing. And, and and that was apparent pretty early on that there wouldn't be any delays um, to, to this trial from going forward on January 23rd. Uh, so, Jen, you're known around our newsroom for writing deeply reported profiles. And obviously, this is no exception. This wasn't a story that involved just a few phone calls. Um, And while you were reporting the story, you also traveled from Charleston to Walterboro uh, to hang out with me for a day, actually, and and watch him preside over a pretrial hearing uh, after Murdoch's indictment. Why did you do that during the course of your reporting? And, And what did you learn from being there in the courtroom with him?
1: Well, I was a religion writer here for a long time, and I always said that you cannot write a profile of a pastor if you haven't seen the person preach or minister to people. Uh, As journalists, you know, we have to be those eyes and ears for readers who probably won't ever see the person preach um, or they won't see the people we're writing about at all. Um, except maybe on TV or somewhere like that. Um, And the same thing was true with Judge Newman. I wanted to see him in action, especially in the context of the Murdoch world. Uh, The hearing I sat in on turned out to be very heated. Uh, Watch Judge Newman, who is this uh, exemplar of composure in contrast to the prosecutor, Creighton Waters, and Murdoch's lawyer, Dick Harputlian, who are basically yelling at each other. Uh, Harputlian, in particular, was his usual theatrical self. It was very dynamic, lots of raised voices, Uh, someone threw a pen. The attorneys uh, also were these, you know, well-known white men, not to mention Murdoch, who was in the courtroom. um, In the courtroom had all these painting portraits of prominent white men, including Murdoch's grandfather. Yet up front was this 70-plus-year-old Black judge and his Black law clerk representing these critical steps toward equity in our criminal justice system. So, Um, Judge Newman sat quietly for, I'd say, a good 40 minutes listening to the arguments. But when the attorneys started yelling directly at each other, he softly admonished them to address the court. It was quick and quiet, but I felt the moment spoke volumes. This man who went to segregated schools was in command of that courtroom. And this was important. I wasn't there to report on the machinations of the hearing. Uh, Obviously, you were there to do that. Uh, instead, I was able to observe a lot about this man I was trying to describe for our readers and listeners. And ultimately, that's what a profile aims to do.
0: Yeah, he's someone who's difficult to read. He's not he's not expressive. He doesn't break into a smile or a scowl. He, he just sort of sits up there and he's very pensive. And it's hard to know. I, I've covered a lot of hearings where you just don't know what the outcome is going to be. You don't know how he's going to rule until he he says it. And, and even when he says it, it's in this very quiet voice. And you can kind of see everyone leaning forward in their in their chairs to to try to make out what he's saying. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a very, very interesting judge uh, to cover in person. As you mentioned earlier, in, in Charleston, a, a lot of our listeners and, and readers will remember Judge Newman from when he presided over the trial of former North Charleston police officer Michael Slager. This was obviously a really high profile case that made headlines across the country. It was a case in which Slager, who was a white officer, was caught on video by a bystander shooting Walter Scott, who was a black motorist, in the back several times as Scott ran away from a traffic stop. Uh, This was a case that reignited the debate about police brutality against minorities. uh, and, And all eyes really were on Newman's courtroom when this trial was going on. It ultimately ended in a mistrial when uh, the, the jury could not reach a unanimous verdict. And then Slager ultimately pleaded guilty in in federal court to um, uh, charges that he was ultimately sentenced to, to 20 years in prison for. So what was that state trial like for, for Judge Newman? And did he talk about what it was like for him as a black judge to, to preside over that trial?
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. In fact, he called it um, one of the most challenging trials he's presided over. Uh, you'll remember he took a lot of heat, especially in the black community when he granted Michael Slager bail. So right off the bat, he knew it was going to be um, you know, closely watched and a tremendous challenge for him. Um, in fact, he called uh, it the most challenging of his career so far. And I guess we'll see what he says after the Murdoch trial. Right. Um, but he He described the weight of the racial dynamics in the courtroom and how much he tried to keep the racial component out of it. Um, But he also noted that although roughly a third of Charleston County's eligible jurors are black, all but one in Slager's trial were white. And Judge Newman appointed that only black juror to be the foreman. Um, It it all just underscored the need for black representation throughout South Carolina's courtrooms, which as I mentioned earlier, is something that's extremely important to him. Um, the Slager trial also was the first time uh, that he said he was so keenly aware that a trial he was presiding over was being live streamed and uh, being watched by a tremendous number of people. Uh, he is, as we mentioned, uh, super deliberative in his word choice. So having the mic on all the time made it just feel all the more intense. He, for instance, noted he had to be very careful what he even just whispered to his law clerk because it could be picked up on the mic. Um, His daughter told me that it was also the first uh, case for which he needed a security detail around the clock. So the whole thing just really sounded like this uh, pressure cooker for him
0: yeah, and he's been a champion of of transparency and openness, uh, like you mentioned about the the live streaming., uh, we got a question about that to our uh, one of our email accounts recently about is this case going to be live streamed? And I fully expect it will be. He has, you know, denied a gag order that was proposed by both the prosecutors and the defense attorneys in this case because he, knew the importance of uh, making this case open to the public and, and making it seem like, you know, and, you know, managing the perception of this case, of course, is, as one that's going to be done out in the open uh, for the public to see, not, not handled in, in back room somewhere. So aside from his openness uh, and, and being willing to speak with you, what else surprised you about judge Newman? Um, he can be like, like we said, so quiet on the bench and it can be really hard to read him. So you got this sort of look at at who he actually is and and what he thinks about things.
1: Sure. And, and, you know, he was open about a lot of things, particularly regarding his personal story, but to be clear, he was not open to discussing things like details about the Murdoch trial. Uh, He was very willing to discuss his career and his approach to the bench, but he was definitely not going to cross that line. And I think that confidence in knowing what uh, he could and couldn't discuss Came across. Um, I was very interested to hear more from him about the death penalty trials he's presided over. Uh, He said that the Michael Motti case was the most difficult because the man had pleaded guilty, and in South Carolina, when a defendant pleads, a judge sentences uh, him or her rather than the jury. And this was Judge Newman's first death penalty trial. Um, Back then, in 2006, he said he wasn't personally a big supporter of capital punishment. Uh, Even his family expected him to impose a life sentence. But uh, Michael Mahdi's crimes were just especially horrible. He had killed a gas station attendant, stolen a car, shot a police officer nine times, burned his body, fled in the man's police truck, and then led authorities on this three-day manhunt. So in the end, Judge Newman did sentence Mahdi to death, which uh, the judge's daughter told me took um, just a real toll on him afterward. And since then, Judge Newman has presided over other death penalty cases and come to firm up his view that the punishment is sometimes required. Uh, But I appreciated that he was open about how his views had changed and honest about the toll of sentencing someone to die. Uh, It's it's worth noting, too, that I focused on the death penalty while talking to him because at the time we were waiting to see if the attorney general would pursue uh, this penalty against Alex Murdoch. So, of course, we've since then, and you've written about, that uh, Murdoch will not face the death penalty. Um, not that we don't expect plenty more twists and turns in this case, uh, but that question has since been answered.
0: Yeah, and and we should also note that uh, Judge Newman, in addition to presiding over this upcoming trial, he has been in charge of a lot of the, the pre-trial matters involving Murdoch and all the criminal investigations into Murdoch. He's signed off on Subpoenas and 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 warrants. Um, he has ruled on a great number of pretrial motions, um, including, you know, motions to compel evidence. Uh, there's still a few motions that are that are pending before him about what kind of evidence and what kind of arguments are going to be allowed in this uh, trial on January 23rd. How much of the, the alleged Murdoch financial crimes are going to be uh, presented before the jury, if any? So he's he's played a pretty large role already in shaping what this trial is going to look like and and what is going to be presented to the jury. And 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 Jen, I want to ask you. You know, we've seen in in these high profile cases, uh, like the Kyle Rittenhouse case, for example, where um, you know the case is live streamed and the prosecutor becomes a star or, you know, makes a fool of himself. Uh, in that case, you know, the judge was constantly in the news for, you know, making really bizarre decisions or or making jokes from the bench. Um, what do you expect people will see when they watch Judge Newman, you know, handle, handle this trial and, and deal with all these high profile issues? How do you think, you know, he's going to to come off to people who who don't know him, who maybe haven't read your profile, um, who are watching from from all over the country?
1: Well, I would say I'd expect him to come across exactly the opposite of what you just described. He's not going to be somebody who's uh, grandstanding and making jokes and showing off for the camera. That's just 100% not his style. I think what you'll see is that he's going to be... Um, quiet and very thoughtful about his rulings. He's going to listen carefully. Um, there are some defense attorneys that feel that he's a little uh, uh, heavier uh, handed toward the defense and a little lighter toward the prosecution. We'll see if that assessment holds true or not. Um, but he, no, he's a very methodical kind of judge and he's not someone who's seeking uh, the limelight. So I don't think you're going to see any uh, any craziness out of him, for sure, you, you will see him make rulings that might grab the headlines, but it's not going to be his antics in the courtroom that's going to do that. He's he's going to do everything he can to maintain uh, calm, especially given we do have um, uh, two attorneys, two lead attorneys who can be, um, you know, pretty uh, passionate in the courtroom. I think you're going to see him do the opposite of that and do everything he can to keep a very methodical um a calm tone about the proceedings.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Jen, for coming on. Uh, Always, as always, appreciate you coming on and sharing some of the background of how you reported this story and, and, and more of your impressions of Judge Newman.
1: Yeah, thanks again. Thanks for having me.
0: That is all for now. As always, stay tuned with The Post and Courier for the latest updates in this case. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Post and Courier. You can find all of our latest coverage on our Murdoch landing page, which is postandcourier.com slash Murdoch. And we would love if you could send questions, feedback, and tips to our Murdoch email address. That's Murdoch at postandcourier.com. And please also take a minute to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you like the show. We will see you next time.